0: Hello ladies and men of the gentle disposition, welcome back once again to Doom Radio, also known as Tango TV, the only Doom podcast with two names. So this is a little bit unusual, uh, compared to our usual fare, we launch straight into the interview. A bit of a preamble this time, Uh, just gives me an opportunity to clear some stuff up before we get in and inform you as to why things are taking so long, or uh, whether there are such huge gaps between our schedules here. WXR Across the River has been putting out shit ton of podcasts, so we are forcing ourselves to step it up here. And uh today I bring you an interview with Altazimuth, who is the newest addition to Team Eternity, working on the Eternity engine, of course. And um this is an unusual step for me really, um, to be interviewing someone whose work is primarily in an area that I'm not totally familiar with. Um almost all of the guests that we've had here on the podcast for interviews, unless they've been conducted by Bloodshitter. He did one with David P. H., I think, uh, halfway through last year. He certainly knows his source port Chops. Uh, both of those guys do. So, uh, to me, usually it's about level design and that sort of thing. So it's an unusual step. Consequently, this is more of a layman's perspective. If you're a keen programmer, then perhaps this won't offer that sort of... Um, what you're looking for really out of the podcast to discuss the technicalities and that sort of thing. But for everyone else, uh, and I imagine there's a lot of you out there, this may be the sort of thing you're looking for if you are if you have a periphery interest in, in this area and you want to know its relevance to the scene, uh, how features are, can influence uh, the community moving forward, the particularities of these cutting-edge... Um, sports like Eternity Engine, that sort of thing um, All of these things are discussed in some measure of detail So um, you'll get something out of this uh, In any case, uh, Altazimuth, thank you very much for coming on the podcast And uh, he's extremely well spoken, this guy <laughs> I think you'll find over the course of the interview um, He makes me sound like a bit of a blithering idiot And a bit of an ignoramus to boot But, wonderful listen, hugely educational And without further preamble, here is Doom Radio with Altazimuth
1: I didn't know how to kind of apply myself when it came to programming, since a lot of it is C or C++. And whilst I knew C at the time, my skills weren't very firm. So I dabbled around, I did some mapping, didn't get along with it too well. Occasionally, I still go back to it. But uh, what really happened was I am and always have been, as long as I've known it was a thing, a stickler for instant messaging. So I was on IRC a lot, and I'd look around for other IRC channels besides Doom Twid. And I ended up on the Eternity one. And I'm like, oh, OK, what's this about? So I look at uh, the Doom Wiki page for Eternity, and it shows a screenshot of Vaporware on the little sidebar. And it this catches my interest, because before that, I'd played lots of different mods that did all sorts of things from like super shitty oldie wads like um my first ever p wad i played was something that happened to come with um the disc that my cousin gave me that had doom on it and it was called nirvana wad and it it, the maps i think it was a single map wasn't very stellar and it had lots of really stupid sound bites in so i was very interested in making my own maps and as I said, I didn't get on with that in the end, ended up on the Eternity bit, dabbled around, kept on looking at more p wads eventually moved on to Z-Doom, and kind of a something of a watershed moment for me was when I played Zarkov Goes to the Store by Za. <laughs> <Yeah>. which... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was totally unlike any of the map packs I'd played up to that point. It was goofy, it was fun, it had this really stupid selection of weapons. You could, like, to the point where your fists, you could pick up your fist and throw it at the enemy. And that, but... well, That's right, I was about,
0: because I haven't played it myself, but I understand you can sort of dissect your arm into pieces and then fling them at the enemy, is that...
1: Yeah, it's all... <laughs> right. It was all very loose and silly, and so I... I became quite uh, interested in that. Didn't lead anywhere because I wasn't, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to understand decorate at the time. So yeah, I eventually I end up at Eternity, and my perspective of playing Vaporware's demo is that I'd played quite a few things that totally changed the fundamentals of Doom. I'd played Sarkov Goes to the Store, and I'd played all of these relatively standard map packs that are, you know, vanilla enough. They play vanilla, they act vanilla, they don't. They're just solid map packs, and so Vaporware, it did something different. It kind of built on what was already there while still feeling very distinctly like doom. And so the engine just caught my interest after that. and so I nag quasar um, I'm I'm like, okay you're the lead maintainer I'm a programmer, I know some C. give me an assignment to do and I will try and do it, and I'll try and contribute because this int- this interests me. And he's like, okay, here's the thing I want you to do. It's blood behavior specific to things instead of being hard-coded anymore. And um, he held my hand through the entire process of my first contribution. He basically did all of the lifting for me and I learned by example. And after that, I started doing odds and ends. I fixed a bug for Mordeth where um, poly objects weren't working correctly. And right. I just kept on building a bit more and a bit more, and I became more confident over time with my programming ability in C++, which is what Eternity uses. And I came around to helping prints do a decent amount. Well, he did most of the heavy lifting, but I also helped with his implementation of UDMF. A lot of the ZDoom line specials needed coding, and I did that, and start just slowly working my way up. And so I started working, just tinkering at Eternity, summer 2014. By the time that summer of 2016 had rolled around, I was pretty bored because it's the summer, you don't have much to do. And so I started um, spurred on by, it was either Cage or Zazer saying that one of the um, major holdups for HackX2 was Eternity's lack of weapons that could be specified by edf which is how you define new stuff in eternity new things new terrain new strings whatever and so i'm like okay i'm gonna do weapons and i go take a look at weapons and i'm like nope i'm not doing weapons okay let's start with something easier and so i go for a the heretic inventory system where you can pick up an item it's there. It's visible where you can look for your inventory and you can use the items. And so that's what I did. And I was kind of posting a lot in IRC, the Eternity channel. And Quasar took notice of this. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Wait, this is on a fork. You, you haven't been made an Eternity <laughs> member yet? OK, well, I'll just do that, which was um, at the start of August. I, I found a particularly odd bug. In uh, with the MIDI code, and he's like, "Okay, uh, I can't be bothered to commit it myself. You do it." And then he made me an, a, a team eternity member. So basically, I, yeah, he he supported me at first, and then I just learned more and more, built up, tried to, yeah, due to, I believe some his wording was something like continued contributions to the engine. I was made right. a team eternity member, and it was starting from like really just very shaky coder ground.
0: Well, I mean, I find that to be quite encouraging and a little bit surprising, honestly. I, I probably fall into that group of people who uh, you know don't go anywhere near anything related to programming, largely because, you know, I take one glance at it and I see this mystique, this this wall of, of language that I don't understand, like if I were looking at Japanese or something, frankly. And then um, but to hear that you started essentially from scratch, you just had the predisposition to do yeah, it. I-
1: well, now, I, I knew some C, but right, yeah, yes. it was very shaky, and I'd never worked on anything serious before, anything proper, like lots of little test examples. But
0: so I think yours is you a know, very good case to, to sort of help deconstruct the, the mystique around uh, programming. That it's not something that that lots yeah, of people but, can approach and get started in.
1: It's, I mean, it's one of the things. I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for, like, the help uh, that even the community provided. I probably wouldn't have stuck around so much if people weren't as friendly as they were. Like, people were willing to listen to me whinge about mapping and were still encouraging (laughs) me all the while.
0: Uh, uh, I had this... uh, this, That
1: kept me going.
0: I had this small thought at the back, and I thought that maybe uh, we sort of uh, encourage you to become a programmer because we kept kicking your ass at duels, but I guess that's probably... (laughs) Uh, you didn't make did... a dual map once.
1: Uh, yeah, I... oh goodness, I, I did make a dual map. Sorry for
0: dragging a but... man up? God, no, that's a... <laughs> probably a PTSD. I, I, I,
1: I made a couple dual maps, uh, one of which was okay, one of which was just totally shit on, and the other one ended up being more like a kind of loose deathmatch map. But yeah, I, I, as I said, I haven't had much luck with mapping, which is, I was very fed up, I think, when I came to do Eternity, because it was summer of 2014, and I just finished my kind of current leg of studies between school and university, and mapping hadn't led me anywhere. So I'm like, I'm good at coding. Eh, let's, Let's try it. I wasn't particularly good at coding, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, it led somewhere. And kind of, yeah, you know, after the whole inventory thing, the, the big thing that I'd been working on was um, EDF weapons, Some, something that had been to do for a long time. Uh, for reference, Scuba Steve initially. I at least I've heard from him that he wanted to use Eternity for Action Doom Two, but he was waiting on EDF weapons at the t- and he couldn't be bothered to wait. So Action Doom Two ca- that came out a while ago. So that's uh, kind of telling of how long this has been in the works for.
0: Well, yeah, the Cacowards keeps uh, keeps a sidebar um, celebrating its birthday as often as it possibly can. <laughs> that's been a long-standing tradition.
1: It's, it's almost been a decade since Action Doom Two. Came out. So, yeah. And you can see up till recently, there have been a lot of old comments dated to around 2003 saying, EDF, weapon fix me. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) it's not been too long, you know.
0: What really uh, strikes me about uh, part of your story as well is that, um, uh, because you you said you you were getting fed up, so obviously perhaps a lack of sort of community involvement in other areas partially led you to, to pursuing that programming. But you say you sort of joined the IOC channel of Eternity. Uh, it could have been any channel, couldn't it? I mean, could you have potentially been working on another engine if, if simply you you were
1: um,
0: forked off in a different direction just by joining a different channel?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think the thing about Eternity was... I picked a very good time because, well, first off, the prerequisites are there. The lead developer was there, and he was willing to help, which was big because shortly after I started, he became very heavily involved in – he he got snapped up by Night Dive Studios – along with Kaiser, to work on Strife, veteran edition. So shortly after my first contribution, he became quite occupied time-wise, because not only did he have a day job, but when he was at home, he was working on Strife with Kaiser.
0: Right. No, I mean, uh, The impression I get um, from the way you d- describe your involvement is is that, um, <clears throat> bearing in mind that what you just said about those key heads going off uh, and you know being snapped up by the studios to work on other things at the time, is that it, it's sort of almost like a um, monk in the monastery situation where you have to prove your hand before you know the masters give you the due attention. And I'm just sort of thinking, is that insular is the wrong word to, to use, but if anyone's really interested in programming, do they have to prove their chops really before before they're sort of in, inducted into the fold? Is it, it would be quite different uh, in that respect to like the level design department of, of doing what, for example.
1: Well, it's a lot harder, I think, to uh, kind of make your mark on an engine than it is releasing a standalone map. But I think it is equally important to programmers to try and nurture the programming scene and especially welcoming new programmers as it would be for mappers to try and teach you mappers how to map because without new lifeblood new life blood flowing in eventually people are going to get a bit bored and move on to other things you need to even even if you're not passing the torch per se you need to keep the fire and help kindle the flame in those who are interested i think i think that to um pass up the opportunity to Teach an interested party who yeah is interested in programming would it would be a big mistake to pass that up. I think as programmers as a community, we have something of a at least to me it feels like an obligation to to keep things going and to help others the way that we were helped when we first came in. Right.
0: Do you remain the the newest member of Team Team Eternity?
1: Yes, uh we we don't really seem to have any prospective members at the time. We've had, you know, people occasionally do little bug fixes or whatever, but we haven't managed to snag anyone in.
0: So let's um let's talk a little bit about the engine itself and what it and what it stands for, I suppose. Uh uh my understanding of it really, um, other than the sort of recent developments that you've been um Doing status updates about and, and sort of yeah. shenanigans and so on is, is quite peripheral. Um, it goes back to like the, the total conversion that was being worked on, which eventually got hacked in 2006. Yes. And I imagine since then, objectives and goals have changed substantially. So um, perhaps mm-hmm. a little uh, brief history about the engine is to get people up to scratch would be quite a fascinating um, trip down memory lane. <laughs>
1: Okay, so the engine, we start in, I believe it is 1998, the engine itself, and it's a fork of boom. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where that goes, but eventually uh, Fraggle releases SMMU Smack My Marine up, which is a, a continuation of MBF. And so Eternity becomes a offshoot of that. So it has some benefits due to that. It at the time it had a start map. It has Fraggle script, which is a uh, scripting language that was made for SMMU. And things just chug along. Uh, EDF, I believe, gets added around 2003 or so. Uh, And things keep on. Eventually, the total conversion, people come and go before then, and it just doesn't work out, for total conversion, so it gets axed. And from there, the engine seems to... Now that it's kind of freed from being specifically meant to power this total conversion, it becomes more about extending Doom whilst... Staying reasonably anchored to the ground, so FraggleScript uh, gets axed due to um, issues with. Uh, I believe it. I believe that FraggleScript had some rather serious bugs that meant that it just kind of had to be axed. Prior to uh, the TC being axed, they also brought in a new programming language for scripting called Small. That also got axed because it wasn't feasible for future. If you made a 64-bit version of Eternity, small wouldn't work. Eternity's big feature, linked portals, become added in this time. And um, the, what they do is they allow you to uh, create useful, convincing room-over-room architecture whilst uh, working in a layer structure, so instead of uh, kind of the more usual ZDoom 3D floor method where you define just kind of this slab floating in air, you're actually defining windows to other parts of the map. Right. And over time, the engine just seems to be quite concerned with extending doom whilst remaining anchored to the ground like one of the important goals of the port is to remain demo compatible with vanilla booms 2.0 through 2.02 and mbf
0: right i'm interested in that phrase that you used twice though which is to keep it anchored to the ground because if you were to speak to a, you know any head honchos in the, in the z doom department it would be you know, more it's the first part about advancing doom and and not being not having any caveats of that sort so i'm wondering if the development of surrounding source ports might have influenced the direction following the collapse of the tc like um you trying to carve out a niche there uh because of the you know what those neighboring ports were trying to pursue
1: so kind of neighboring ports it seems like eternity ran parallel lots of ports came up with features independently that are effectively the same thing like I'd imagine that, you know, for person to come up, lots of people wanted to be able to define brand new things in Doom before the first instance of that appearing. And people wanted to be able to define new weapons in Doom before Edge came along and let you define your own weapons. So Eternity has a fair few features that other ports might have, but it... From what I can tell, it's always had a very distinct um, feeling to it, and it's ran parallel to the other ports. So, like, for example, linked portals were a a new feature at the time. Portals had existed before, but they were render-only. You could see into another area that was somewhere totally else in the map, but you couldn't pass through that plane. But... Link portals, they were kind of the new hotness that uh, SOM worked on. SOM is the guy who uh, prior to working on Eternity worked on. I think most notably Legacy. He brought 3D floors to Legacy, which was one of the first significant implementations, as well as bringing Boom standards up to scratch. And so Eternity itself it's I think what we try to do is right now, at the very least, we're just trying to stay feeling how we've always felt, cozy and familiar whilst you know not whilst expanding on what's there, adding new features, removing hard coding, letting modders be able to do more.
0: okay, I mean cozy for you. I mean we can get to the question yeah. later on as to how if this coziness will translate into, into people using the engine. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, yeah.
1: In, in recent years, I'd say that ZDOOM has had more of an influence because, uh, there's, there, there was a very big lull in activity and then suddenly activity was explosive again. And during this period, we were getting a lot of features that ZDOOM already had. And during this period, at least in my mind, I tried to make it so that features that are already in ZDoom that we were adding, we'd try to keep as similar as possible so that any modder that moves from Eternity to ZDoom or ZDoom to Eternity can use the same thing and it's the same. And I think that that parity between the engines is quite important, at least from my mind of view, because I personally want to make Eternity as welcoming an engine as possible by way, by means of documentation, by means of just the community, by means of being willing to literally help anyone who wants to make an Eternity ward. And if that means that I have to implement a feature exactly the way that ZDoom has done it, that's not a big
0: problem. Yeah. I, I find that interesting really that the compromise approach, because before you were talking about it's almost like a sort of Cave Johnson approach of, of uh, doing your science from scratch, not standing on the shoulders of giants, which is um you know having independent teams from, from different source ports arriving more or less at the same conclusion, but but uh getting there by different ways, you know, um because mm. to be quite innovative, I suppose. But uh having a compromise uh for attracting, you know, new players who are more familiar with with ZDoom, so they can even more easily make the jump, I think is um is an interesting development. Mm.
1: Well, we've made great strides in that department. Like uh, as I said earlier, Prince mostly, and me for a little bit, were working on UDMF, and that's in the engine now. Good. So you before you had to use something called um, extra data, which it it was basically. A, a way to textually link stuff in Doom maps so that you could define Hexen-style properties, like, or UDMs-style properties, like thing IDs and multiple arguments for a single line.
0: Yeah, insert laugh here. I mean, that's some people are cackling, but that has <laughs> gone way over my head.
1: <laughs> it, uh, it's it, basically it's a huge it's just a huge faff that you don't have to go through anymore and mm. we've we've just tried to make the engine as approachable as possible uh prints also finished basically linked portals before they weren't really complete as a feature
0: can you offer an example of something that you've had to back down on in order to sort of make this compromise uh, like there's a feature you wanted to push ahead with but um you're perhaps limited in some way, or in order to remain accessible, you've had to sort of curb your ambitions in that area. Um,
1: I don't think that's really happened. What's important about the compromise we're making is that whilst we're making this compromise, we will avoid this compromise if uh, we don't particularly agree with behavior from Z Doom or naming conventions from Z Doom.
0: Right. Portal seems to be the sort of poster child at the moment for eternity. Um, yes. Like, do um, you think that's a suitable hook, really, to, to, to get players interested? Is there anything else that that it does uh, in such a visibly superior way to, to Z Doom that well, really.
1: This is a kind of, as I said, we have demo support, which Z Doom doesn't yep. try to do. So if you played back your vanilla demo or boom demo your mbf demo it should work if it doesn't you need to tell us and then we try our best to fix it um and kind of a more subjective thing coming from this is that uh the physics feel a lot more doomy than zdooms do
0: oh, that could be interpreted as a good thing yeah but can you do platforming in the eternity uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't. We don't have the uh, specific internals to allow for adventures of square style, high amounts of air control <laughs> or high jumping. But that's that's probably something that will work its way in eventually. We have um, kind of the big things that we have to do at the moment that we see as more taxing, which is kind of a big I- issue that faces us that the engine is trying to prioritize what we think is most important and get that out of the way. At least that's, uh, I'd say that's at least my role in the team. I'd say that uh, the lead maintainer, Quasar, he I, he has a bit more of a free approach to what he adds. Uh, no, I'd say other things we might do superior. To in a somewhat objective sense, to ZDoom is we we try to be a lot more stable in terms of feature sets. So, you many people will be aware that lots of ZDoom mods, be they old ones, don't really work in new versions anymore. Almost right. no WADs have that for Eternity. Uh, any WADs that do have that issue will be because they. The only one I can think of is Kaiser released an old wad that used Fraggle script, and was Eternity specific. Yikes! And uh, we don't run that anymore.
0: It sounds like there's a lot happening under the hood that that the once sort of the players of today familiarize with themselves with, they'll feel quite comfortable in using. But it's just a question of of getting people hooked. Just before we get on to the more specific discussions about promoting the engine and stuff, um, what are you working on right now? What's at the forefront, uh, you personally, with the Eternity engine and trying to, um, not necessarily for promotion, but just just uh, for, for current release builds?
1: So as I said earlier, I was working on the inventory branch, and that was a big thing for a while. And I got that yeah. to a state where I was reasonably happy with that, and then hit something of a wall, was losing motivation. So I decided to work on EDF weapons So basically, the weapons prior to this, well, they were all doomed. They were all hard-coded. That's no longer the case. You can um, at least this isn't in main branch yet. This is on uh, its own separate branch, and it'll be merged into master later. You can define brand new weapons, and the capabilities of weapons have been extended. So you can have alt fires, and you can have hold states if you want all sorts of silly things. And that's been a huge undertaking. Like, there's, <laughs> the, basically, Quasar had been putting it off the entirety of, of this time, and I, I understand why to an extent. I think it's uh, partially due to our different approach. Quasar likes making taking out the issue in one fell big blow and I'm a lot more um, part by part, so I'll make lots and lots of small changes until it works perfectly. And yeah, he he wants to hit it out of the stadium first try, which is an it's an it's an admirable approach. It definitely makes for um bigger announcements than my approach.
0: Right. What's the sort of. um, I haven't been keeping up to date with how frequently the builds come out, and I'm sort of interested in the philosophy surrounding that. Whether you um, are happy to sort of uh, feature half implemented um, developments uh, to to encourage people to to perhaps join in and, and help out in that department, or do you ensure that every single build has a fully functioning.
1: All official release builds will have or try their best to have totally complete features. If because, yeah, as we said, we to a degree, at least I myself, pride the fact that we maintain good backwards compatibility. And if we add a half baked feature and then we have to change something, and that makes it that causes a problem for people that are modding for the engine, that's a problem for us too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not uh, distinct for say from from ZDim's approach or Doom now I guess. Yeah, I'd,
1: um, I'd say that I'd say Doom are they're a lot better at a frequent updates than us when it comes to big release builds. We both have DRD team development builds set up, and I think recently the at least Zal, I remember he was quite perturbed by the fact that people were basically using dev builds as what you had to use and i'm i'm with him yes. on this one i think that you dev builds shouldn't be the thing that you absolutely have to use if you want to yeah you if you want to get the full experience from the engine so ideally yeah. we'd be making more release builds more mm-hmm. frequently and trying to stabilise our features faster. But we're definitely not going to try and um, yeah, put the cart before the horse and release a build before the features are fully baked.
0: <laughs> yeah, just being from personal experience, because we've just, um, uh, just finished – almost finished finalizing the first in, internal beta of uh, Jimmy's Joy of Mapping Enterprise, which is to encourage new level designers to, to come on, and apparently new script. I mean, the, the number of people given free reign who will use new features, the cutting-edge features that require the the most recent internal build of J Z Doom is, frankly, I mean, the, these are new players who've, who've just entered the realm, who are just attempting the first thing. Uh, I can't speak to the mods they may have attempted, but, but certainly levels, and, and it's requiring the you know, the release that was made yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how that becomes necessary. It sounds like it's um, uh, that's a real problem the graph has on his on his hands there. Well,
1: I I think it's it's something of an inevitability with how the ports work because we release a feature and it's super cool and it's really fun and if you want to use it, well, you better be on the dev build. Otherwise, you don't know how long it'll take to get into the release and
0: so that's just an intrinsic problem with any any development that needs to be <laughs> contested. you're
1: basically right. you're basically in a toy store and you're watching the toy maker make something and they put it on the shelf and the, and, and the paint <laughs> hasn't dried yet but they're still playing with it because it's so cool and different and you i i cannot fault an end user for that because it's it's fun i think what End users have to realize if they do that, though, is um, you probably shouldn't make any final releases if you're reliant on development builds. You should probably, I'd say definitely, make a full final release version once the most recent proper release build of the engine has come out. And... I'd say that applies to G Z Doom, Eternity, Edge.
0: Somehow managed to work Edge into the discussion. That's probably yeah, you know, probably inevitable. Um <laughs> Vaporware, that remains the sort of poster boy um uh map, I suppose, which is kind of surprising to me. Um uh you say that's that's one of the first sort of screen caps of inspiration that, that got you to, to to start programming for it uh when you joined the channel there. So I, I suppose this is a lead into discussion about, about promotion and how you could team up uh, with, with other departments in the community in order to, to help hmm. sort of get the engine out there a little bit more. Um, have you considered approaching any, any level designers and perhaps working on a, a large-scale project of that sort? It's just surprising hmm. to me that they, this is something that Essel made back in... Uh, you did it back in... It must have been I 2008. Think
1: about 2008, it wasn't a huge... It wasn't too long after the first version of linked portals were out and kind of the first demos, are, it's right. very genius the way it's crafted specifically so that enemies don't appear near portals, which is interesting because at the time hit scans didn't pass through portals. Right.
0: So it's betraying so some of the limitations. Was, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's quite very smartly working around it. And since then there just haven't really been any major eternity rule. uh, releases for the engine. I believe Skewboy did a single map uh, around the time Doom the Way It Did uh, Doom, V8, what? Doom the Way It Did first yeah, came out. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: tweet... Helbert's a uh, very strange title in, that, in retrospect. We just kind of gotten used to it, but there it is.
1: It's a good title.
0: Yeah, it was like a, a working title that we didn't really abolish, and it's just sort of integrated itself into the series name.
1: If a working title is good enough, it it just manages to become the official title, I reckon. But, I mean, you're
0: talking there of of uh, creations that other people approached you about. And I'm sort of asking you about um, whether the developers have, have considered directly contacting specific individuals um, to attract um, their interest, perhaps work on a collaboration, sort of formalized... Uh, Promotion material.
1: Hmm. Well, for a while I've wanted to try and do something like that, but I I think it's very uh, important at least for myself to Lay a decent groundwork first for whatever project I'd be pitching to people because personally I feel like turning up to the doors of mappers who I like and saying could you make a map for this project without being able to offer anything other than a concept and technical support doesn't feel right to me. And that's been something of a sticking point for myself because of my issues with mapping. And so I've just been, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky issue because as a... I really like to be able to approach mappers, but at the same time, I want something to show them. This is my concept. This is what you can do with the engine. Well, in the case of what I'd like to work on, it isn't my concept. I believe it's your concept, which is the uh, 1024 cube.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, that was very off the cuff. The, um, what do we call license to stack? (laughs) (laughs)
1: License to stack? It's it's a good idea. So um, the basic premise would be, that using the linked portals, which you can create convincing room-over-room architecture with, you create not just a 1024 by 1024 map, but a 1024 by 1024 by 1024 map, which, you know, based on how much you variate your height can add tons of depth to your level.
0: Right. I mean, it seems to me a pretty elegant uh, marriage of uh, this this level designer obsession, certainly, and that for the majority of this decade, at least, of, of using limitations to breed creativity, and then by necessity forcing the player to, to use linked up portals to get the mm. most out of their space.
1: And it's additionally, the benefit of it is it makes for a great elevator pitch. So if I want to pitch it at a new mapper, it's like, well, the basic idea is make a it's twenty twenty four by twenty twenty four, but it's also by twenty twenty four. so you can work in three dimensions too <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i think that way. i think everyone would be willing to jump on on that bandwagon where it to get set up i I'm, I'm kind of surprised you're reluctant at least personally um i can understand you know if you know your grievances <laughs> over personal experience with level design and the like but i don't know i mean it's just the benefit you get not just from the product being released, but the thing being visibly and publicly in development, there's that's a constant stream mm. of attention and, and involvement that I think is just too difficult to pass up. So I mean at least have you considered um approaching someone else who has a bit is a bit more brash uh, in, in their Perhaps. approach to muscle people? Yeah.
1: I, I think um sit sitting down on the therapist's chair here, it might be uh, a <laughs> it it might be potentially due to um when i first came into the community i had a lot of ideas and i didn't i wasn't really very forward with them and over time i kind of realized the community's not too keen on people who pitch ideas and ideas alone and i i just i think maybe if i'm able to show willing in some form that isn't mapping perhaps then i'd feel a, a lot less self-conscious
0: Right. <laughs> I, I think the animosity that a lot of people are beginning to show to the ideas man poking his head around the office door and then yelling instructions and, and then walking away or asking someone else to become leader of the project or whatever, I think that's, that's tied in quite closely with the sort of term that we wheel out these days, just community project, which is to say anything that gets, you know, uh it's open for anyone to commit to on the forums, but I think people do hanker for more team-based oriented stuff. And those seem to be, those seem to be the products that are, um, the projects that are most uh, celebrated ultimately when they're released and, and, and sought after and followed as they're being developed. So of course, back to set and X is a very good example at the moment, uh, all the solo works of select individuals or, or, or duo. so I think, I mean, that team approach uh, mm. in, in itself is trumps that concern that you may have, um, and there's all the more reason to get behind it. I'd like to talk a little bit more about um I mean you said this is a, a pretty good question, but I, I more more I think this is just having you on and so you can clarify some things to me because during the development of the Adventures of Square, we quite early um back when I was on the team, we ruled out the possibility of of monetizing the game. Uh, my understanding is that the GPL outlawed it or something could you uh, have there been recent changes um uh, surrounding that so that now you can commercialize your game as has as gloom sort of i'm not sure terminus is looking to commercialize mm. that at all but um, well, talk it's... to me about that the recent developments there and perhaps you could use the eternity engine sort of in that respect
1: it's interesting because a while ago i might have said use gloom or use eternity but not too long ago gz doom itself became a gpl a few sticking points like Uh, I believe Fmod EX was stripped out of the engine. The software voxel rendering... uh, That was the uh, music playback. And I I think general sound code for ZDoom, that was replaced with something different. Um, And the other big sticking point was certain build code, specifically the software voxel renderer, which eventually Ken Silverman himself said, mm, so, okay, you can use it as GPL, go ahead. So now GZ Doom is totally, completely, as far as I know, and I think it was a big announcement, GPL. So at this point, I would fully suggest that if you want to go for a relatively good groundwork for a generic first-person shooter Doom-like game engine, is probably the best port of call. How monetizing that works is... Um, So a good example of this would be Strife Veteran Edition, which is based off Chocolate Strife, which is a reverse engineering of original Strife code because it was lost. So Strife Veteran Edition is GPL, and so the source code itself is public and licensed under the GPL. It has to be. But the assets that work with the engine, not GPL. So... If you wanted to make a mod for, or you know, a standalone game on Eternity or GZ Doom, then you would have to make the source you were using public, but your resources that contain all of the stuff you need. So in Square's case, all of the graphics, the sprites, the code ACS-wise, the sounds, everything inside the square one or whatever it is now dot pk3 you could commercialize that and i believe yeah you'd definitely be able to say sell it on i've forgotten the new version of Greenlight on steam slap it on the windows store hio wherever you feel like
0: right so it's um i, I i'm no longer part of the team but i can imagine because Matt gets quite antsy over this sort of thing, uh, it's 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 a discussion internally between whether you want to remain completely open source in that way uh, and commercialise it because it is, after all, a, a closed team effort, um, and you don't want to release all of those resources um, until the product's finished, I guess, especially for such mm. as something that takes so long to work on.
1: I'd be pretty happy to support any developer that wants to make a commercialised mod that's based on. Uh, to source port as long as it's of a quality that means that it's worth my money. I'd be probably more likely to buy that than anything else on the Steam store these days. Right. Uh, I think one of the issues that would face a mod developer there, that at least was interesting and kind of an issue that faced me, uh, was we were discussing on the Source Ports forum Patreon for yep. developers, Source Port developers. Which Patreon for those who still aren't in the know is a way of basically asking people for money for your services, um, and yeah, it would be a way to support creatives that do stuff that you like, and. When discussing this, kind of I, I, I feel like I kind of killed the Fred by saying, it's, it's not really feasible because how do you divvy up for money between the team? And if you work on something percentage based instead of fixed fee base, there will probably be a lot of arguments, and the team could kind of fall apart. Due to that. So, I'd say for those developers out there looking to monetize your project, make sure you're on amicable terms with your friends and will be certain that you're on amicable terms with your friends. And if you want to divvy up the money percentage wise, make sure that you contract it out first Hmm. before going ahead. Otherwise, there's a decent chance that there will be some gnashing of teeth.
0: Do you feel like that's going to be an ongoing issue and discussion um, sort of surrounding Patreon or, or things like it, sponsorship from the public in the public space? Because obviously to, to date, uh, the community has survived purely off the, off, off the basis of its goodwill. Um, but this is in the public sphere, certainly with respect to the podcast and so on. I mean, not this one at least. Yeah. Um, that there's a growing market for this sort of thing, and, and do you think this is a space they could open up within the community and which we could allow for and still have it be thrive and be healthy and that sort of thing?
1: I think that it's it would be more feasible for it's well, Patreon's most feasible for say artists, um, and I'm not saying that mappers aren't artists, but there's uh, I don't know, I feel that mapping is at least I find it's quite a lot. CRA, uh, there's an extent to it where it can be a lot harder, I feel, to be quite so consistent. So it's hard to um, kind of make gatherers big, a consistent following that will pay for your artistic gatherings on a month-by-month basis. Right, And uh, additionally, for coders, at least there just isn't a great deal of interest when it comes to support. So a good example of this would be Mastodon, which is basically an open source version of Twitter. And the guy who is the lead developer of this has a Patreon. And Mastodon is used by a good portion of people, like quite a good portion of people, yet he himself, the lead developer, the coder for this, only makes $3,000-odd a month. And when you scale that down to something the size of a source port user base, it just doesn't particularly prove or probably wouldn't prove very useful for a developer like me or Graft Sal. Uh Within the community, I don't know what the status is of this currently, but last I checked, um, not to uh, kind of you'll need to bite your tongue and not gnash any teeth viewers at home who are <laughs> a bit upset about this, but um, <laughs> Sergeant Mark 4 him, has a Patreon, and that seemed to be working fine for him. And I believe right. that was quite divisive. But the basic concept of I'm a modder, here is what I do. Give me money. It's pretty reasonable, especially when you're um, such, uh, you have such a cult of personality behind you as Sergeant Mark IV does.
0: I, I I think I think the potential for uh, variations in 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 desires within the community sort of potentially allows for it. I mean, the thing with the thing with Sergeant Mark IV is that at least he knows what his consumers want out of his product. And, and he's, he's, so I, I think maintaining sort of creative credit for it. Yes. Uh, but you know, control for it less so, because I mean, it seems like he's picked a direction and he's going for it. So in that mm-hmm. sense, um, being beholden to your sponsors is not so important a, a point. I mean, I, I imagine there are so many individuals and teams in the community that, um, like really want to maintain control and then, is of, of creatively over what they do and 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 they have a dedicated audience of people who like their the way that they approach things in particular but the moment they start sort of bringing money into the equation all of a sudden it sort of removes those and it, and it puts it on some well, track that maybe they're not
1: you know the interesting thing about patreon is well one of its kind of very smart features that it has is that if you haven't done anything in for a certain month and you don't feel like you warrant it, you can skip your patrons giving you payment. So people on Patreon aren't quite as beholden to their patrons as, say, uh, as long as they don't abuse this, the system, they're not as beholden to their patrons as, say, somebody who has an actual investor. But personally, if even if the situation were to be somewhat different regarding interest in eternity, and I were to be able to feasibly make a Patreon, uh, feasibly make a Patreon, I don't think I would just for the simple fact that even with that "don't accept payments for a month" button, I think it would still create some sense of. I probably should do something
0: right, and then there's a knock on effect, of course, that happens mm-hmm. uh, other people other developers asking questions, why it doesn't apply to them and then really once one person kicks off then um then uh you're effectively changing the face of of the community in any case, although mm-hmm. that said um I know uh Jimmy has been. I mean, publicly doing these commissions of his for his music, and then he, of course, he doesn't have a monopoly over the music scene, but he is one of the, the core reasons that we don't sort of have a, a music awards for the CAC awards, for example, because <laughs> we ended up forking out to him or Jiboy every single year. But I mean, that hasn't really come into contention either. Um, and you know, music occupies a very different space to 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 developers of of and programmers of, of, sort of source sports and the like. But I, I do wonder if. You know, if if that gives gives pause, perhaps, and says, maybe, well, maybe it, you know, it isn't such a contention after all. Maybe it could work.
1: Mm. Well, I'd I'd say it would work more effectively for someone like Jimmy, as he's quite good at uh, he's quite good at releasing content. And though, I mean, like all artists, you can burn out. He has a very remarkable work ethic, like. Uh, I believe did you participate as well in the uh, song um song a day for a month oh uh,
0: we It's similar to that it's called 30 and 30 it was um uh, that's right there's a song a day for a month but the way we would frame it um, on a more micro scale is is to do like uh, five middies each lasting half an hour for, for two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> and I would lose every time by the way a sort of <laughs> of MIDI, like, oh, yeah.
1: well I. I think that, yeah, you need that kind of really good work ethic to get through it. And even then, mappers like Skillsaw don't release every month, even though they're quite good at being relatively consistent with how often they work at maps. So I, I feel like the exact Patreon model unless there's a way to specify exactly how often you'd like to take payment wouldn't suit the more sporadic members of the community.
0: Right. Right. So let's talk about, uh, the status quo, uh, as I framed it here, um, uh, with respect to, to innovation and, and the numbers of source support that are currently monopolizing the market. And, um, I suppose this comes down to a lot to to individual developers on a a smaller scale, because one thing I've noticed, uh, once again, as as a layman from the outside looking in, is that so many of these projects uh, undertaken by by individuals uh, are experiments more to see if things can be done. to sort of flesh out the, the possibilities of the engine on the sort of platforms that it can work on. So one example that comes to, to mind is is Doom by, by, by Mayers. I mean, I, I doubt it's used actively by anyone other than himself and some of the other de- programmers on the scene who are interested. Um, do you think it's in, it's in, important to have this sort of diversity uh, and have I sort of diagnosed that incorrectly? And perhaps Mockadoom does have um, more than just um, sort of a a use beyond this, the sort of raw experimental sort of frame that I've, that I've put it in.
1: Mm, well, I think that these kind of, I don't want to call Doom an experiment because it isn't an experiment. It's a very, uh, it's like a whole big project. I mean, porting Doom to Java is a huge undertaking and it was a very impressive feat. And I think that, kind of the diversity of all of the different types of ports and what they stand for is I'd say it's quite important. Because like, I don't know, if if it just ended up the port scene being solely say GZ Doom, QZ Doom, PR boom plus, it things might get a bit dull. And I think that at least between um kind of the Notable for the, the uh, advanced source ports that I know of, which would be uh, ZDoom and its derivatives, Eternity and uh, Edge with a three. Pretty... Um, <laughs> I guess I could have just called it Hyper Edge. I think that the existence of the three different advanced ports... I'd say it's helpful. F- competition, be it fierce or friendly, it stops the port scene from stagnating. And I think that if one port were totally to monopolize, like, except for a few fringe players, you'd probably, I personally feel, end up with something that's just a scene that's a bit more dull. I mean... Is that,
0: is that the only? Early- like negative outcome, a, a consequence rather, or just just being more dull. I mean, to uh, I I mean, that,
1: uh, yeah, go on. We're talking in hypotheticals here, so it's yeah. difficult for me to predict. I, I mean, you'd probably, yeah. There's, I have no way of accurately predicting that. But I think that the um, kind of the friendly competition between the ports, at least, keeps the ports going with each other like Z-Doom and Eternity for the, for the longest time. I'm not sure how Hyper Edge factors into this, but uh, Z-Doom and Eternity were definitely very fierce competitors. And uh, even like MBF and Z-Doom were relatively, were in reasonable competition in with each other. To the point where Lee Killow, I believe that's how you're supposed to pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, Hate on me if... Well, I certainly
0: won't be able you. to correct you. <laughs> I do know who you speak of, though, yeah.
1: Um, he would intentionally obfuscate his code, which basically means to make it more difficult to read, for fear that um, Randy would try and steal the code. Wow. So... That's poor bitter. Com- yeah, poor competition has always... and. It It isn't quite as fierce as it used to be. I'd right. say there's still probably some residual animosity, but I think that nowadays it's more important to try and keep the decorum between myself and other port developers. You don't want to end up pissing off other port developers. Well, I mean,
0: it, it sounds like there's so much hostility already between the developers and the player base. <laughs> you can't really afford to you know, slice that up anymore.
1: Oh, like... I uh, don't know. I don't feel like the co- friendly competition is helpful. Fierce competition just leads to people being unhappy and burning out. And the last I want is for one of the major talents in the like, if if eternity were to become like a real big worry for somebody in the the GZ Doom, Z Doom team, I wouldn't want them to like work at it so hard that they burn out. And by the same token, I'd hope that somebody on the the people on the ZDoom team wouldn't want to kind of compete against us so hard that we flame out. I think it doesn't help anybody when developers just kind of get dull. And trying for, trying for port dominance isn't what I want to do. I just would like to see more people use the port. And if that means... Trying to make a high uh, high high-profile port, so be it. Uh, A high-profile map set, rather. So be it. If it means that I have to, like as I've been doing, try and personally help each and every mapper and modder that comes up to the engine and shows an interest. So be it.
0: Mm. Other examples of uh, like written concessions verbal concessions from, from from either developer, and sort of how much back-slapping goes on behind the scenes, um, and is there any sort of cross-collaboration in which one conceives, okay, if that's an area that that you're looking into, we'll either stave away from that, or we'll um, uh, simply just seed that ground to you, and you know we're happy for for you to occupy that that sort of niche in approaching it in this way. And we won't really look into development in this area. Um, that's something th- not, we're not interested in.
1: I think there were a few things like that, but uh, over time they changed. Like um, for the longest time, linked portals was solely an eternity feature, partially due to um, how difficult the code is in how some just kind of plucked the algorithm out of thin air and the ZDOOM team didn't um, want to, or seem to want to particularly, copy the code verbatim. So there are a few concessions, and but I'd say that we kind of do our own thing nowadays. Like, Eternity's mostly been prints getting improving the usability of the engine uh. myself hashing out the more functionality for EDF uh, preferably with an IE2 event hopefully by the end of the year have full heretic support
0: <laughs> yikes oh well I mean the uh, I imagine the inventory um, sort of implementation will go a long way to <laughs> to help um, me on that
1: the uh, in- inventory was probably the smaller of it and weapons. Like you can actually kind of play heretic now because you can pick up the new weapons and you can fire them and you can't use the tom of power yet. So it isn't very fun, but we'll, we'll, I'll fix
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touch the nerve. Wow. <laughs> it's, I, it's,
1: it's, it's not a fix. It's just something I haven't got around to yet. <laughs> so much to do. So I mean, I
0: imagine a lot of our listeners um, being as ignorant as I am. They'll, they'll still be coming from this perspective of someone who's asking, like, "Okay, well, how is this useful useful to me?" And i I want to speak about the the, the longevity the longevity of the game. And I know you've just now sort of expressed uh, a an unwillingness, I guess, to, to commit to any future predictions about the landscape for, for, for source sports and how they might relate. But how significant do you think it is that new features are required to keep pushing forward and, and keeping the rest of the community, uh, the community um, sort of innovative in this way? Because I, I think a lot of us at the ground level, we like to imagine there's enough style uh, and sort of variance in the way that you can play the game that if all progress were to halt in this department, the community could survive for however long and continue to flourish, perhaps even grow. Um, do you hold that perspective, or do, or do you think it's important that we continue to? Because I'm thinking back to the early 2000s when, when uh, you know, there wasn't this sort of divide between. Doom world and and ZDF, ZDoom forums, and in, you know, in one focusing exclusively on mods, or uh, and then the other sort of obsessing over purities and and and, and Boom specifically, in which you know level design for ZDoom was was at its peak, and then we look back on it now as as being kind of <laughs> the price being very flawed, but at least there was these efforts to sort of showcase features and and have projects that really. Pushed forward with you know with showboating them, that sort of thing. Mm. Do you think that's, that continues to be or will be in the future? Just uh, extremely important in, in helping to, to push the community forward.
1: Well, a sub issue that I'll um, tuck away for later at the moment, and I'll come to it after this point is um, kind of a relationship between gameplay mods and map mods. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, I think personally that at this point in time. Uh, something like GZ Doom or Edge, HyperEdge, are exceptionally diverse in what they're capable of. And I think there's no lack of room for innovation here. What I think that we are doing, uh, we as in the collective coders, is making it uh, easier to innovate. And I think that even if all source ports stopped updating tomorrow, there would still be just a massive amount of room for innovation. But as it stands, if we can make things easier for people to expand and improve and tinker and do something new, then that's great. And I think that getting more features, it's helpful, and maybe eventually we'll hopefully, we'll run out of features that we need. and we'll just be able to focus on maintenance and such but as it stands i think there's there's no need to slow down improvement of engines in terms of our feature coverage
0: right i mean it it could even just be a matter of of highlighting sort of uh, certain qualities and features of the engines that have been implemented and have been for some time i know boom these days is is seen as, I mean, it's seen as a, as a lot of things, but with specifically with regards to its features, it, it, it's it's more for sort of new players can um, or new level designers can can pick it up and treat it almost as a sort of doom plus so they can sort of mm. remove those those silly limitations that Carmack and, and co. didn't code in because Romero didn't ask for them or whatever like that. It's a generalized uh, system. Um, but there are also a lot of features to boom that simply aren't used these days and I'm fairly certain a lot of players aren't even aware they're there uh, level designers and uh and you think back to when to when was, the engine was first showcased with with Team TNT and their sort of their their deathmatch worlds like um Bloodlands I think it is and all of their levels are just littered with all this feature showcasing you would have thought looking at them that these are recent boom developments but they've been in there for a decade I mean can you think of anything? Uh, from your source board of choice, I mean, that, that, that might be a good example on this, you know, because everyone seems to think Eternity portals, cutting edge, um, sort of 3D floors with respect to GZDoom and the like. And um, But maybe there are, there are existing things there that, as you say, you could cut off development tomorrow and there'd be still all of this stuff to, to fall back on and explore, even though it's been there for ages.
1: Well... EDF um, itself has a very long storied history going back to like 2003 or so, which is way back to when people were first making like Decorate was newish and such. And kind of Eternity, I believe, was the, f- or EDF was the first thing that would let you define brand new things. Also, I've been told it might not be totally factually accurate, but there's just so much room. Um uh Eternity has lots of other interesting innovations like uh 3D middle textures, which for the uninformed are basically picture like a railing that's a middle texture, but you can step up on it and you can go under it and over it. And it if you fucking run into it, then you run into it and it blocks you. And that's that's been in eternity for Donkey's ears, um, other such things. Mm, uh, we've yeah, there's lots of little things, I suppose that I've there's let, that I think there's lots of ignored features nowadays that in their time right. were a lot more interesting, like particles. Oh, well, I mean, found such.
0: interesting yeah that's a, that's a, Oh that's I a
1: find pot- oh, particles are charming <laughs>
0: uh, I I mean perhaps eternity isn't isn't the best sort of um uh the focal point for, for this particular topic because uh there probably with respect there probably isn't enough of a, levels being made for it for for trends to be established in this area so that we can gauge sort of where the communities uh sees um Interest uh, in, in, in its features and stuff like that. Modding for for Zedium specifically, and I, I guess here we're not speaking about eternity, and it's just more of a sort of um, status quo discussion on, on source sports. But do you think, again, continuing to discuss the longevity um, of the game? Do you think do you think mods? Could could hold their own if, if if this is a complete hypothetical, of course. If, if the interest um, in level design was to be completely replaced by it, because I mean, this is a this is an exploding interest. Um, it, it's very much its own community at this point.
1: I'm not sure if it could solely, but I think the relationship between mods and map packs are somewhat symbiotic. Mm. So. If you have one million, let's just say we have a million maps and they're all vanilla, and then I release, you know, if there's a, a million different maps I can play, then I will still a use entryway, goddammit. It. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, then somebody releases a weapons mod or something that fundamentally changes stuff. So let's say. demon steel i now have two million maps another one comes out three million and it kind of i feel it's multiplicative with each other and i think that both scenes support each other because you run out of interesting maps to play the same way that you run out of interesting styles of gameplay And mods give you a new style of gameplay to try and maps give you a new map to play. And I think that if either... I'd say that kind of maps are probably a bit more fundamental just by nature of them being here first and, you know, that's just how it was. But yeah, I think that they stand each other up. I don't see any future in which maps or mods become totally dominant over each other.
0: Good word to use, Symbiotic, really, because that's the only way I could describe that relationship in a way that that captures how... I mean, because it's not at all collaborative. Um, The number of... high profile mods that that also sport their own map packers i mean they're they're very very few and far between mm. unless it's a solo effort um
1: that i mean the only real issue is when um is that when you ask a simple question or you get asked a simple question and the simple question is can i run this with brutal doom that's. I feel that's the. I feel that's the only time at which uh, certain map sets and mods can kind of work at odds with each other. But outside that's, of hmm. that,
0: I mean, these days maybe we should be more than happy to respond. Uh, yes, yes, it does work with Brittle Doom. Please enjoy yourself. Um, just don't expect me to make balance changes to my entire map set to <laughs> accommodate your I'm, request.
1: <laughs> no, I'm. I'm very much a um. I'm very much a you-do-you type of person to each their own.
0: Mm. Well, look, Altazma, thank you very much for coming on uh, the podcast. We've gone for a little... Um, I've, I've impressed myself with how long I've been able to survive in this discussion without painting myself a complete ignoramus. I think we're going to have to cut it off at one hour and, and 15 minutes or thereabouts. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's been a very educational discussion for me personally. I, I'm sure a lot of people who aren't as familiar with this scene will have got so much out of it and um, brought themselves up to date
1: it's been a pleasure can I um, do some last second plugging
0: I, I I was going to encourage you to do that very thing
1: Check out the Eternity sub-forum on Doomworld. Check out the the official Eternity uh, helpline thread. It used to be the hotline, but hotness can't be guaranteed, so now it's just a helpline. We have an official IRC channel for those who like IRC. We have an official Discord for those who prefer that. You can reach out to us on the forums, and as I said, I am personally willing to help each and every single person who even shows interest in the engine. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: Not a problem. Uh, and just in closing, I think because it's customary these days and it makes me sound more official, <laughs> makes us sound more official than we actually are, but um, if anyone wants to personally reach you, or say, via Twitter or something, do you have any, any, uh, any tags there uh, people should be aware of?
1: I am Altazimuth on Doomworld. You can reach out to me via Twitter at altazimuthee, no underscores, no nothing fancy. Altazimuth was already taken by somebody else who isn't me. Wow. As opposed to somebody else who is me. Yeah. Thank you
0: for tuning And uh, tune in next time where we'll be discussing... Uh, I think we're talking to Linguisa. We have an interview lined up there. Um, that's been postponed not quite to the same extent that the Anders Johnson one has been. Uh, <laughs> please don't get on my case about that. Uh, you won't, of course, because you'll have forgotten it. It was like three years ago. Uh, cheers, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Doom Radio and old Tazimuth.